Activity CEO Richard Ashworth grew up in Daytona Beach, Florida, where his dad was a manager for Walgreens. He liked the role that pharmacists played in helping people, and he decided to become one himself, picking up a business degree along the way. What followed was close to 30 years at Walgreens in almost every imaginable role in his journey toward the top. Now at Tivity, he's helping empower seniors to improve their health and helping health plans keep members healthy, happy, and loyal. In this episode of the Health Biz Podcast, Richard talks about Tivity's longstanding successful programs like Silver Sneakers, the embrace of complementary alternative medicine, findings from the company's extensive surveys and research, and whether healthy aging is even possible during the health emergency. Richard also talks about his busy volunteer activities and his favorite books, which include Radical Candor, which is about fostering innovation with the right balance of care and challenge, First Friends, The Speed of Trust, and 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. I'm your host, David Williams, president of Health Business Group, a strategy consulting firm that helps companies like Tivity develop robust growth plans. Reach out to me, dwilliams at healthbusinessgroup.com to discuss strategy for your company. Most important, please subscribe to the Health Biz Podcast on your favorite service. Oh, Richard Ashworth, CEO of Tivity, welcome to the Health Biz Podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Tivity looks really interesting, and I'm looking forward to uh, speaking about it. Uh, but I want to talk first about how you got there, because you've had an extensive journey along the way. If you don't mind, I'd like to wind the clock all the way back to uh, to your, your childhood, your upbringing, and ask about you know what were your childhood influences and how have they you know kind of carried through uh, to what you do now. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, I guess you don't you don't pop up to be CEO just from nothing. So I started. Most a long most time don't, ago. but yeah, <laughs> most don't. I think you're right. I so I started. Um, I grew up in Florida. I grew up in Daytona Beach, Florida, and my my dad actually worked for Walgreens, and my mom was a school teacher, and then also um, kind of a home taker, and um, you know, pretty pretty standard kind of growing up in uh, in a beach town. So all the all the normal beach things you like to do, like surfing and fishing, were my hobbies. Um, most of the influences came from, you know, from my parents and, and primarily from my from my father, who, who had a good career at Walgreens. And he had started there as a kind of a stock boy and worked his way up over time. He was a district manager when I was a kid. And, and so um, one of the things I fell in love with was pharmacy. And I used to go to him with him to work on the weekends and stuff like that. And I uh, just saw how the pharmacists interacted. And that really attracted me to want to be helping other people in my community. And I thought it looked like a great job. So that, that I kind of knew at a young age, that's what I wanted to be. Yeah. That's good. It's interesting because um, it sounds like your father wasn't the pharmacist, but working in a place where you know pharmacy is pretty central, and you got to experience that. So that's like a little bit of a different take, uh, I think, on the typical career, um, yep. you know, outlook as a kid. And then so, so I guess you went and studied pharmacy. Yeah, you know, I went to I went to undergrad down in Palm Beach, and then uh, went to got into pharmacy school. Did that down in Miami. And then got my business degree uh, shortly thereafter, my MBA uh, as well. And what happened there was I, and I love pharmacy, I still do, uh, and loved working the bench, loved helping patients. Um, but I, you know, I started as a stock boy. Uh, you kind yeah. of start at the at the ground up somewhere. I had every job you could have. You know, I was an assistant manager. I was a front cashier. I was a photo specialist. I even covered for beauty advisors when they went on vacation. Right, like nice. Pretty much, pretty much any job you could have. And then when I finally got through pharmacy school, I loved what I was doing in my one store. But I really wanted to take it kind of broader if I could, right? And help more stores do it the way that kind of we did it, you know, in, yeah. in my store. And so that's what attracted me to kind of leadership and management. But 
you know, pharmacy school didn't uniquely qualify you for that. And so I uh, wanted to get some business education and to get some business experience. And so I did that academically by getting the MBA and then switched the management track after that. And then I was just at that company for 28 years and I had a new job every, yeah. I don't know, every, every 18 months. And what happened there was uh, every time I was asked, I said, yes. And I think that that was probably the biggest thing I ever did in my career was just lean forward, trust myself and say yes. And it gave me a lot of opportunities that, that afforded me to where I am today. Now, uh, Richard, did you work in different parts of the country or were you able to stay more or less in one, one area or how did that work out? <laughs> I was everywhere. So I was yeah. in, I was a born and raised Floridian. I lived in uh, Minnesota for a couple of years. I lived in North Carolina a couple of years. I've lived in Illinois multiple times. I've lived in the UK. So Boots uh, was a, a pharmacy chain that Walgreens had purchased and I ran the pharmacy yeah. business in that country for a while. And then I came back and now I'm down in Nashville. So I've, I've kind of been all over. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, you know, if they were smart, I guess, I don't know what they thought, but if they moved right from Daytona Beach to Minneapolis, it's pretty harsh, especially if it was done, let's say, in January. It was uh, it was March. It was no better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was a rough one. <laughs> yeah, no, that could be that could be serious. OK, well, so after all that, did you think you would eventually retire as a Walgreens person or how did you know, how did you, you open your mind to possibly doing something different? Well, I, I had grand goals, you know, so when I became a pharmacy manager and I said, OK, I want to go the management track, I was hoping by the time I was 40, I would be a district manager. And by the time I was 50, I would be a, a vice president. And uh, yeah, I thought I would retire there. Love that company. Had a new job, like I said, every 18 months. So it was always something different. I had strategy roles, ops roles, commercial roles, you know, detailed roles, um, you know, clinical roles. So it was always very fresh and felt very new for me. But yeah, I, I assumed that I would I would retire there. And uh, things happened a lot faster than than my grand plan, which is which is a great yeah. thing, uh, but opened up a lot of new new avenues for me. Now, that's good. Well, now you're at a company called Tivity and you're running the company. And so the first question is a little bit about, you know, just what does this company do and what is its history? Because I, th I think it came from the the old health ways. Uh, but I'm, but I'm not, I'm not totally certain. I, I, I had lost the, lost the thread at some point. So if you can just give a little overview, that'd be great. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that's what Tivity is today. It's, it's basically the old Healthways business that split and formed ShareCare, which is a well-known company and then formed Tivity and Tivity had silver sneakers, which is this kind of preeminent, preeminent, uh, senior fitness brand. And that's kind of what it's always been about. And, uh, what attracted me here was, you know, I'm a pharmacist, like I said, I've been working on that side of healthcare, treating people after they're sick my whole life. And then I just wanted to get on the front end of it. You know, I've got a passion for fitness. I've got a passion for nutrition and healthy living. And Tivity was the perfect company because it, it does all the things that I believe we should be doing as, as humans and taking care of our bodies mentally, physically, emotionally, socially, and help seniors do that so that when they get into that third phase of their life, they can handle that with, with higher quality and you know, more, more vitality. And so that's what attracted me there. What we do really is we empower people uh, to improve their health. And we do that through a big gym network and we help people go to the gym. We do that with a big virtual business to help people work out even at home or in their, you know, on their own time. We help people get socially connected and we help people get mentally enriched. To your point, the, the company's now 30 years old. Uh, so Silver Sneakers actually started in 1992 and it is the yeah. gold standard for, for senior fitness now. And so we're on a we're on a pretty a pretty large trajectory right now to change company, so it's been a lot of fun. That's great. So obviously, you know, you're talking about um, seniors, uh, individuals who are the beneficiaries of what you do. Who are the what's the who are the customers of the of the company? Who's who's paying the bills for that? Yeah. So yeah, when we say customer, we've got two of them, right? We've got the actual member, 
the customer going to the gym and that's that's medicare so that's 65 plus or people who have you know disabilities we've got 18 million of those and then to your point the person who's paying the bill is our health plan so we've got 70 medicare advantage plans across the nation that's how we get those 18 million lives um, we do it on their behalf to help their members um, you know get healthier and why is it that they would you know want you to, to do that and I, I know that um you know think about a commercial plan like the one i have they have a fitness benefit so if i join a gym uh, yep. or do certain other things I, I can get some reimbursement for that so they clearly are you know interested in that and it's also an attractive thing i think for somebody to be a, a member but what's the what's why when you get to a ma plan you know are they willing to go out and, and make this site presumably larger investment yeah the, the number one issue is they want their members to be healthier and they know that physical activity, social connection, and mental enrichment, if those are done right, you'll be healthier. And that means you'll cost less. So the value proposition is really lower cost and increased uh, improvement in outcomes. And we had an outside study come in and look at silver sneakers participants versus non-silver sneakers participants. So these are the same people, you know, maybe overweight, multi-chronic condition, same people, types of people, but 16% lower costs on our members versus those that don't participate, 18% less uh, emergency room visits, 42% less going to the hospital. So it's clear that our program helps people engage in healthier behavior more often. That's one value proposition. The other two are this. One is, the other, the second one is we help with retention and acquisition of members. So members like their plans more when they use the benefits of it. Makes sense. And so Silver Sneakers members stay with their plans longer because they find more value in it. And lastly is um, our members are really pleased with what we do. So we have a really high net promoter score of 83, and we've got a customer SAT score in the, in the high to mid 90s. And so health plans are evaluated a lot on how members feel about their plan, uh, the kind of uh, customer service survey that they do. And Silver Sneakers members generally rate their plans higher because we're part of that value proposition for them. I think on the, uh, the star ratings that uh, member uh, feedback has become even even more heavily weighted. So if you're able to demonstrate that for whatever reason, that's right. uh, it's certainly helpful. Yeah, I think um, Medicare Advantage is probably one of those real success stories within the U.S. healthcare system, which doesn't have so many uh, of them, but something where it's sort of a good good balance between the public and the and the private sector. And back in the bad old day of uh, bad old days of Medicare managed care, the way they used to make sure the members were healthy is they put the enrollment office on the fourth floor of a building yep. with no uh, no elevator. So. <laughs> That. Yeah, you've been around long enough to have known about that. Hopefully, you never were involved in that, but uh, I do. I do remember those days. So, there was a very different economic proposition back then, too. You know, well, we have yeah. we have com we have commercial plans too. Uh, we do a lot in the commercial, like to your point, as an employee of an employer. Um, you know, we do a gym ben membership benefits for ages eighteen to sixty four as well, and we yeah. do that for the Blues Association of Brothers, and we have a whole health living business as well, which actually I love. This business is a, a business that basically manages health and well-being through integrative medicine. So non-medicinal support to lower pain. Yeah. So think massage, chiropractic, PT, OT, chiropractic, things like that. Interesting. So thinking about your you know, extensive career at, at Walgreens and all the different jobs um, there, what were some of the adjustments you had to make coming from, from Walgreens in addition to the fact that you know, as CEO, if, if you're changing your job every 18 months, at least your title, there's probably something going wrong. But are there some changes that you've had to, uh, you know, to adapt to or, and some things that you brought from you know, being at a very large and successful company? Yeah, no, I could spend the whole rest of the podcast on this and I, I won't do that to you. But um, it's, uh, it, was a, it was a big change because it's the first time I was a CEO. 
So I've been a longtime operator, you know, COO type. I was president of a big division, ran all the Walgreens business in the U.S., which has a lot of operating elements to it. And so getting my, my taking off my operating hat and putting on my executive, um, you know, CEO hat, which is inspiration, motivation, strategy, capital allocation from all trains running on time, every pharmacy being correct. You know, there was a much different job. So that was one, which is irrespective of activity vis-a-vis Walgreens. It was more just the role itself. Second was size of company for sure. You know, my I had a seventeen billion dollar SG&A budget. I do not have right. that at this company. <laughs> no, just um, to be clear, but, yeah. So for sure, and my shareholders wouldn't like that. But what I would say is that every fundamental principle you have. Remember when you were a kid and you had a lemonade stand and you did the math yeah. on how much your mom made you pay for the lemons and how much the you know everything cost. That those kind of simple principles of leadership, simple simple principles of finance you know, simple uh, principles of management and how to control things, they apply no matter the size, no matter the environment. And so um, I learned right on that actually everything is going to apply just fine here. And actually the benefits are when you're in a Fortune 10 company, um, you get access to some of the most brilliant minds in the world and some of the best well-run processes you can find, the gold standard for how to do things. And so we've brought a light touch of those uh, to Tivity because we don't want to overburden the company and take away its agility. But we also want to make sure we give it really good, strong governance and fiduciary control. And that's something that I think was a benefit coming to, to Tivity. You mentioned before about things like massage and um, and, and other uh, alternative medicine. And you have a complementary alternative medicine you know, component to what you do. And I'm wondering, how does it fit in with your other offerings? And how does that how is that fitting in with the traditional healthcare system? Yeah, you know, it's emerging still. Uh, I think it's growing in appetite by by traditional medical systems and institutions, uh, but it, it's definitely getting some some acceleration. Part of that is the opioid pandemic and some other issues that, that are really causing significant challenges in, in, in member and patient behavior and also costs. The main way it fits in is that we lower overall healthcare costs with this. Um, and so it, it's a really good cost containment. Uh, mechanism to try um, if you can get someone who's got really, and if you've ever met, you know, or had someone in your family or life that has, you know, serious progressive ongoing pain, it is debilitating. It changes yeah. their personality. It can just be awful. People have end stage cancer, all kinds of things. And so we have a very deep experience, clinical expertise in this solution and how to put the benefit together, how to make sure we have the right providers together. We're very good at network design and putting together networks. That's another way that we kind of reuse the widget a bit. And, um, you know, the main thing is that it, that it, uh, it helps our health plan clients with a, a cohesive benefit for pain. But in addition to our health plan members, including all the older adults, which is obviously a, a carryover benefit of this, we, we, we can help some of the same people. Um, as, as health plans are getting to emerge into it, like fitness has been around for a long time, yeah. you know, and so that's kind of the tried and true. This one's kind of new and emerging. So it actually helps us on the innovation front as well. It's interesting, you know, you mentioned before the opioid epidemic, and I'm sure this is tied in uh, kind of with the pain side of things, because a lot of people who have chronic pain are also going to have opioids, which, you know, could lead to abuse and, and dependency, and then also diversion if they have caregivers or just, you know, have it in their their medicine cabinet, somebody comes in and, and grabs it. So I'm sure that ties in, um, you know, pretty well. Yep, it does. Yeah, I rolled out a nationwide drug take back program at Walgreens where we have kiosks and thousands and thousands of stores all across the U.S. just trying to get these medicines off the, you know, the bathroom counters and shelves of grandparents and parents where it gets into the hands of children and to others. And so I've always had kind of a personal, you know, uh, care about this. And this, this, uh, this platform of whole health living is fantastic at reducing pain in a non, non-clinical medicine, not in the clinical, but non-medicinal way. 
I was taking a look at your website in preparation for this discussion, and uh, normally, you know, companies have a few blog posts or survey or so on that they've done, but it seems to be almost a centerpiece of your work, the surveys and, and research. I'd just be curious about kind of your commitment to that, and then what are the sort of things that you cover and, you know, any interesting recent findings that you might want to share? Yeah, sure. This, this is a pillar of us, uh, who we are. So it's, uh, it's not a side team somewhere, you know, that does our data and analytics and our survey group. Justin is in his team or right in the center because we have a deep understanding of the senior and that and the type of information we get, the frequency of information we get, the volume of information we get can be very helpful to everyone. So we, we regularly publish and send out our data to everybody. We don't try and keep it for ourselves, you know, for business purposes or anything like that. We make it available to everybody. And we have a, a pulse survey that's kind of an always on, um, you know, we publish it every quarter. We, we get information every two weeks and we survey all the general Medicare Advantage population, plus, of course, our members and all kinds of topics from all healthy behavior to, of course, physical activity. The thing that we're very, very good at. We talked to them about social. And then when the pandemic hit, it was like, oh, man, we can get real time information about how people are feeling through Alpha into Delta, through Omicron, all the way over, yeah. you know, we were watching how they were feeling, you know, sometimes some despair, sometimes some optimism, you know, whatever it might be. And actually our most recent survey, which we did just toward the end of January, said most seniors right now are feeling pretty anxious and on edge. That's been growing it, because yeah. part of this is there's just like this never ending kind of feel at the moment, right? Like what's next, you know, what's the B2, yeah. what's next, right? And then um, a lot of them, it, the, the weather turned cold. So what we saw through the summer and, and a little bit in spring and fall, depending on where you are in the United States, is they could get out and they could still be active. But when it got cold, they couldn't. And so you see a lot of them are, you know, reducing their physical activity, which is which is a, a, a big risk point. And a lot of them are uncomfortable right now socializing still with family and friends. They're worried about getting uh, the pandemic. In fact, 56 percent of them said that. So you, there's a there's still a pretty strong toll that has been taken on seniors in a physical way and also in their social engagement. You know, we talk about uh, healthy aging, and that's clearly part of what you're doing uh, with all your programs. And I, I wonder, you know, I mean, is there such a thing as healthy aging during the pandemic? <laughs> well, there's no question the pandemic's taken a pretty big toll, and, and yeah. it's hit the most. It's hit the most vulnerable, right? Um, because our our seniors have the highest complications. You know, at one point, I think it's still true. Over eighty percent of the deaths are people over the age of sixty-five. So, you know, it's it's still it was a pretty targeted. A virus. But I think the short answer to the question is yes. And the medium answer is this, is technology is first. So you want to still get connected, you know, like I do when I travel for work, what do I do? I FaceTime with the four kiddos, right? And I'm still keeping that connection going. I'm still keeping, I get to see what they're wearing. I get to see their faces. And, you know, we can do that for fitness classes. We can do that for medical and therapy appointments. We can do that for a whole host of things. Not always appropriate, but it's one of the choices that I think can help people, you know, stay healthy and, and be healthy through a, a pandemic. But Healthy aging at its core is physical activity, eating right, and maintaining a support of friends. In fact, if you want to know the one thing you want to do to know if you're going to live longer, it doesn't always mean quality, but live longer is have more friends. So, you know, through a pandemic, people get pretty isolated, and that's pretty, that's pretty good. The last thing I would say on that is that if we, if we can just address the social determinants properly and we can get health equity for seniors, there are so many seniors that are food insecure. There are so many seniors who do not have affordable housing, who can't get proper transportation to the drugstore, to the physician, who don't have access to broadband internet. So those gaps have actually all gotten worse through the pandemic. And so we had an opportunity. I think we have a, an obligation too, 
to help these seniors in this time of, you know, kind of compressed need and also on the way out of the pandemic, which I'm hopeful for, that we can help them really engage in these social determinants of health in the right way. Yeah, you sort of had your, your, your head down working on building this uh, business, steering it through the pandemic and, and so on. You know, what are you looking forward to uh, as, as you look out over the next uh, couple of years? What, what excites you? Well, I'm really excited about our 30th anniversary for Silver Sneakers. So there's not many brands that can stay around for that long with that high of an NPS, that high of a customer stats course. I'm really proud of that. And I want to keep telling all the fantastic stories about how we change lives here. So that's one. Second for me is, is this pandemic, getting it over with, moving into this endemic phase, whatever that might mean, but especially for our seniors where they're not being, you know, attacked, where they're not getting social, you know, uh, um, isolated. They're not having challenges getting access to friends and to family and get them back into these routines that are healthier routines, the physical ones, the mental ones, the social ones. And third for us is, you know, we're transitioning the company where Silver Sneakers is doing more than just physical fitness in the gym. And we've launched some new platforms like Get Set Up and Stitch. These are companies that we've partnered with to help bring a learning platform for seniors to keep the mind stimulated, to delay the, prong uh, the progression of dementia or Alzheimer's. And same for Stitch, which is really a, a social community that just helps people who have like interests, you know, photography or basket weaving, which I don't think is a popular one, um, or art or cooking or things like that. And we can get people together to get them connected. I'm looking forward to those three things. That sounds good. Um, you know, Richard, as I look at your, your resume, your, your LinkedIn profile, uh, in addition to the long stint at Walgreens, the other thing that stands out is just sort of the number of volunteer commitments that you're, you're involved with. I think some of these are probably tied into the company. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, you know, your philosophy there and, and maybe some of the things that you're, that you're doing? Yeah, well, one of the things we didn't really touch on, but at, at a young age, I always had a heart for, for older folks, just always have. And so um, even when I was in uh, Walgreens, I always did a lot of things with adult living facility, facilities and care centers like that. And when I got to Tivity, I almost had like a personal moment where I said, hey, you know what? I need to get out there and get more involved in other parts of healthcare that help, you know, aging properly. And so, you know, the future of aging is a great one because they're, they're all about longevity. They're all about how we can live longer, better, more sustained quality. Then you take like American society on aging, and that's more around economic security, diversity. We focus a lot on inclusion and making sure that all segments of seniors are, are, are helped properly. And then I've got a couple of leadership ones like Nashville Health, which is very specific to where, you know, the headquarters of my company is located. But Nashville is such a vibrant, amazing healthcare community, right? A lot of our big healthcare tech companies come out of there. So I really just wanted to be part of Nashville Health to help fix the, um, and it's such an amazing city now that I've gotten to know it so well, but you can see all the disparate parts of Nashville and how to help that. And th what we do there, we want to be replicated in other cities across the country. And I, I could keep going. I've got a few more, but um, it's yeah. really just things that are focused on aging and the health of the population that we serve. That sounds very good. Now, I don't know if during the pandemic you've had any time for reading, but uh, I always like to ask my guests if there's uh, any books they're reading, anything that they would recommend or, or recommend to stay away from and not waste their time on. Yeah, I have a lot. I have a long list of that one. Um, yeah. I've kind of wasted my own time. You know, right now I'm reading Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Uh -huh. uh, I'm trying to get some real strong innovation going here. She kind of lays out these five pillars. And one of them I really like is, is the Radical Candor is this concept of, I guess it's the concept of care and challenge and how to meet the right balance. Because if you're too challenging, you're just the jerk who nobody wants to work with. Yeah. And if you're too caring, everybody's like, oh, what a nice guy, but nothing gets done. So how do yeah. you kind of get the balance? And I think that book was pretty good in helping us think about how we can break through some innovation here at Activity. I finished the book, First Friends. I don't know if you've ever heard of this book. It's uh, I don't know that one. 
I think his name's Ginsburg. I can't remember his first name. It's really a cool book. It talks about all the pres, not all, but many of the president's best friends, uh-huh. and the Im- and the impact those best friends had on major decisions that this country has had over time. And yeah. one of the reasons I like the book is that you know the circle of friends you keep is really important for how you are as a leader. And a lot of times people, I think, forget that. So if you had your high school friends or your college buddies, and that's you know and that's who you're hanging out with. Um, Sometimes if you want to be a really strong leader and leadership is something you really care about, and you want to grow in, you look at your close circle of friends and that's a good indication about where you're headed. So anyway, that mm-hmm. book is pretty cool. And then the, the two books I always recommend to everybody is The Speed of Trust by Covey. Yep. Uh, if you if you want to get moving in an organization, this book is great for that. You can also use it in your personal life with your personal relationships. And then John Maxwell has the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, which I read about every two years. If I could do half of those things right, I'd be a much better leader than I am right now. Great. Well, that is some excellent uh, recommendations, and I and I appreciate I appreciate it. So, Richard Ashworth, CEO of Tivity, I want to say thank you very much for sharing your story and your company's story here today on the Health Biz Podcast. Thank you. Appreciate the time. You've been listening to the Health Biz Podcast with me, David Williams, President of Health Business Group. I conduct in-depth interviews with leaders in healthcare, business, and policy. If you like what you hear go ahead and subscribe on your favorite service. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe on your second and third favorite services as well. There's more good stuff to come, and you won't want to miss an episode. If your organization is seeking strategy consulting services in healthcare, check out our website, healthbusinessgroup.com.